Good morning, everyone. Um, I greet you all in the beautiful name of my Lord and Savior Christ. Um, my name is Evans um, from uh, Midland Chapel, but born and raised in a township called Timbisa, just right after Midland. So that's where I'm, I'm from. So I'll be delivering our sermon to us this morning. So if you could just bow your heads and I'll pray for us and we will begin. Heavenly Father, in your son's precious and glorious name, thankful that I could stand before your people this morning, O oh Lord, um, to deliver a sermon, O oh Lord, praying that you would help me to yeah, bring me down to nothingness and uh, glorify yourself through me, O oh Lord. And I pray that you would um, not only transform their hearts as they hear the sermon this morning, but that you transform my heart as well. In the Son's precious name, we pray. Amen. So, um, we'll find our sermon this morning in the book of Luke, chapter chapter two, and we'll be reading from verses one to verses forty. I know it's a it's a lot of verses to go through, but I do promise we will get through them. Um, just before we read, um, you know, this is it's the first of season. Today's Christmas Eve, and. Um, a lot of people are preparing for Christmas tomorrow. Um, they're buying lots of gifts, and um, some are giving back to charity, you know. And um, we cannot overlook the fact that we live in, in a society, in a world, whereby um, once you reach a certain standard, a certain level of, of fame and of success, you are encouraged to associate with people that are in the same level with you, if you become famous, you become an actor, and you become rich, you're encouraged to hang around the rich, you know, so that you'd be able to keep that mindset and be very consistent with it. You know, the elite are encouraged and invited to only hang out with the elite, you know. They only come down to hang out and be with those who are not in the same socioeconomic standard with them when they give back to what we call they would say giving back to the community, not forgetting where you come from. And we cannot obviously say the acting of itself of giving to, to those who are in need is bad. It is not bad, it is good. And we praise God that those who are less fortunate, those who cannot afford, are able to have a Christmas like theirs. They're able to receive gifts, gifts that they can't even afford to buy, that the elite are able to go down to them and give them that. But we cannot also not overlook the motive as well, that that is the only time they ever come down to hang out and be with those who are not in the same level of success or socioeconomic status as they are. And that's just the world we live in, and that's the reality we're surrounded by. And Luke here, when he writes this gospel, you know, he, he writes to a Gentile called Theophilus, and he writes to him, and this is the reason he writes, that Theophilus may have certainty of the gospel. That's what he wants him to have. He acknowledges that, yes, there have been other accounts of the gospels that were written, but I have taken time to write an orderly account of our Lord Jesus Christ, and this is why I've written this, that you, O Theophilus, may have certainty of the gospel. And we see that in chapter 1, verses 3 and verses and I say um, Luke writes to Theophilus and he wants him to have certainty of the gospel 
it is because it is not it, it is obvious that Theophilus has been exposed to the gospel before based on the wording that Luke uses there that I want you to have certainty of what you have been taught meaning that he was taught before of the gospel he has probably read other accounts of the gospel you know other testaments that were written by the other apostles and as Luke writes that account of the gospel, he shows whatever says to Theophilus when, when, they, when they proclaim what the angel appears to Mary and prophesies or foretells about the birth of Christ. He basically says about this Christ who is, who is to be born, he says he will be great and he will be called son of the most high God. He will be a king in the line of, of David and his rule will be forever, it will be for eternity. Now, this high king, unlike most modern people in our society, we looked at first that the elite only hang out with the elite, but this, this king who is to be born, who's prophesied that Mary will carry when, when, when he comes, and when he is born, he does not go out and hang with other kings, with other people of, of, a, of, of a high social, social status. He does not go to other kings and says, here I am, I'm the king of heaven, and I've come to hang out with you. But when this king is born, he comes down to the lowly. As he begins his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he, he quotes Isaiah chapter 61 as what you would call his mission statement. He begins with that, that he's come to set the captive free, as it reads. He says... I've, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's this great king as he comes in. He comes in and he, he, he goes to the lowly. That's his mission. Not to go to the elite, but to go to the lowly. However, you will not be looking at the, the whole book of Luke. That will yeah, take days for us to get through. But let me read for us from verses 1 to verses 40, and then we'll get into our sermon. And it reads, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the house of to, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was he was of, of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And they were and they and, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped in, a, in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there, was, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy 
that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace be among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph with, and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child, this child. And all who heard this heard, heard it wondered at, at, the, at, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of, the, of, of, of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by, angel, by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to, to, to present him to the Lord. As it is written, the law of the Lord, every, as it is written of the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be, call, shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to, <clears throat> according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of, the, turtle, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there, was, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And, at the, and, at the, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would, he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the, and, and when the, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the falling and rising of many, and for a, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from so that thoughts of from many parts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Daniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived in with her husband seven years from when she was she was a virgin. And when a widow, and, and, and then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him all who were waiting for redemption of Jerusalem, for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and favor, favor of God 
the name of God was upon him. And that is our scripture for this, for this um, morning. It is a very long passage, but thank you for your patience. But basically, in this chapter, what Luke wants to communicate to Theophilus, the kind of certainty he wants to give to Theophilus, it is that the good news of, of the birth of the, of the glorious birth of a savior has come to a lowly people. For this Christ was not born only to save a great people or to come and be with a great people, but he was born to come and be with a lowly people. So our outline will be divided into three. So we'll look at the first point will be from verses one to verse seven. Born a humble king, that is from verses 1 to verses 7. And our second point will be born a humble savior from verses 8 to verse 21. That is our second point. Born a humble savior from verses 8 to verse 21. And then our third and last point will be born a universal light from verses 22 to verses 40. So our first point, born a humble king. So in the, in the first few verses, as we saw, Luke introduces us to a ruler um, who's called Caesar of Augustus. And the Caesar of Augustus sends out a decree to all the people that all the people, rather, it uses the word that all the world should, all the people of the world should basically be registered. And when he sends out that decree, Mary and Joseph, who were in, in Galilee, in the city of Nazareth, are prompt to go back to Joseph's hometown that is in Bethlehem, a town where the Messiah prophesied to be born. And, and when this basically happened, I don't think it was um, sort of like a coincidence that um, Mary and Joseph being in Galilee had to go back to Bethlehem where Christ is prophesied to be born. But I, I believe in here, or in this very passage, we, we see God in his sovereign power working out his good plan. And that it is indeed a, a savior should be born in Bethlehem, fulfilling for us the prophecy that was spoken of in, 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 in Micah chapter 5 verses 2, whereby it is spoken and it is prophesied that in this small city, basically the, the prophet the prophet Micah, when he speaks, he says, you are not like any other tribe that you should be a tribe because Bethlehem was considered to be very small and to some extent not strong or where you'd expect a king to be coming from. But a prophet speaks the word of the Lord and says, from this very small place, this not so great place will come a savior, a ruler who will be born. And as a result, Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem where Christ is born, fulfilling that very prophecy. <clears throat> and as he's born, you would think that Christ, as he's born, he would come into the world, and, and, and as he comes into the world, this ruler, this great ruler that is promised by God, this great savior that is promised by God, as he comes into the world, you'd expect that at least he should be born in a very royal, fancy, nice palace whereby he will receive all the care and the nature in the world that a king should receive. I mean, think of a famous person here in the world. If they were about to have a child, they would never come to Tembisa Hospital or any public hospital to give birth to their child. 
but they would go to the most expensive where they'll receive the best of care so that their child could be born to them. And then you would think it would be the same, that, okay, God prophesied a king would be born, a savior would be born. Surely he should be born in Augustus's um, temple, at least since he was the ruler and the richest person probably in that time. But he's not born in that place. Rather, when they get to Bethlehem, Mary has to give birth. They go to an inn and they could not find a place. And Christ is born in a manger. That is a feeding, a feeding trough for animals. He's born in a place where they keep animals, where animals feed. A great king of the universe, this great king who is to rule the whole world, this great king who is prophesied that his rule will be for eternity, does not make a grand entrance, but he makes a humble entrance to the world. You know, he makes a humble entrance into the world. No trumpets are sounded and no citizens or great kings are invited to to say, come, come, come welcome another king into the world. Rather, he is born surrounded by animals where he is and his very parents. This, 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 This great king like humbles himself as he comes into the world making true these words of of philippians chapter 2 that christ humbled himself and we could see that here that him being god chooses to be born in this way and this king who rules the world he lays asleep in the hay this very king who holds everything in place Though born an infant, he still remains a God for all eternity. And he is born in a place that you would not think a king would be born. And as he has made this humble entrance into the, into, into the world, you'd obviously think that, okay, cool, the king is born, that's fine. He's born, he's here in the world, and he was not born in one of the greatest places. Then surely all the other kings have to be have to be made alert that listen another king is here another king is born come come receiving receive him and bring him many gifts but that is not the case when this king is born when the savior comes into the world no great king of the world no great ruler of the world comes in to receive him no great ruler of the world comes in to give him gifts or appreciating that yes another one who's like us is born rather the people who are invited to come receive this king the people who are invited to come and receive this glorious savior who is born it is unknown humble shepherds this great news of great joy is announced to them and that is our second point born a humble savior you see there that in the in in from verses 8 we're introduced to shepherds people we do not know we don't know where they come from luke does not tell us much about them except that they're shepherds and as they are in the field keeping watch of their flock by night an angel of god appears to them and as he appears to them, they, they tremble in fear, and the angel says, Fear not, 
for I bring you good news of great joy. And, 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 and you often, like, I was just, as, as I'm sitting there, as I'm preparing, I'm wondering, why does Luke, like, begin his gospel in this way? This great king is born, and then the announcement is made to these people whom we do not know. These people whom we do not know much about. These unknown shepherds. Why would he, he make such an announcement to these people instead of a royal household to say, a king is born unto you. Well, as we began, Luke wants Theophilus to have certainty of the gospel because Theophilus was, was a Gentile. And, he's, and Jesus' mission as he began was to the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. And, and he begins by introducing this gospel in this way. And these news of a great king that is born is told to these unknown humble shepherds. Simply because that every Gentile who reads this gospel, every unknown person who reads this gospel, every person that is not so great, every person that is lowly who reads this gospel may have certainty that indeed a savior is born for us as well. Because when he makes this announcement to the shepherds, he says, I bring you great news of great joy that is for all people. So no one or no people group is excluded. No people group is left out. So this savior, this king that is born and introduced in the world and makes a humble entrance is not for Israel alone. He is not born for other kings so that he may form an alliance with them to strengthen his rule or their rule. He's not born for them. But he is born for all peoples. That is the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed. That these are the kind of people, if you read through the Gospel of Luke, these are the kind of people within that society, within that context, at that time, were considered to be nothing. No one paid attention to them. But when this great king came in, he went to them. He was born for them. And this was why that every other person, that they too, as they read the account of this gospel, as they look and they hear the news of this great Savior, they may have the certainty that he's for us too. That we too are not excluded from this, but we too are welcomed in. We too, a Savior has been born to us. Thus, the Savior is introduced this way to these unknown humble shepherds and we today can have this confidence and this certainty that we too are invited to share with the multitude of heaven the angels as they rejoiced of this great joy and they praised and glorified God because Christ is born we too are invited to share in this and that's why we can gather on 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 other days and sing Christmas carols and sing joy to the world because the Savior is born to us as well.
And these humble shepherds did share in this as well because after these news were told to them, after they went to see this, this, this little in this infant who will save the world and rule for eternity, after they had seen him and they told his parents that this happened, this we experienced, angels appeared to us and they said this about the king. They went away rejoicing. They went away glorifying and praise God for the Savior who was not only born to Mary and Israel to be their child only, but the Savior who was born for them as well. Indeed, there is no greater comfort and there's no greater joy than this. That as a sinner who's lost into the world, in this world to know that this day a Savior is born for you, you know. The, 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 the hymn captures it beautifully for me. God rest you, merry gentlemen. It basically says, From God our heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same, how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Fear not, then said the angels, let nothing, be, let nothing you affright, this day is born a Savior of pure virgin bright, to set free all those who trusted him from Satan's power and might. The shepherds at those tidings rejoiced much in mind and left their flocks a-feeding in tempest, storm, and wind, and went to Bethlehem straight away this blessed day to see. And we get to share in this joy and sing these songs because the Savior is born for us as well. Now this great King who is Christ, who was announced by glorious angels to humble shepherds who were not expecting him, like when he was announced to these shepherds, they were not expecting him, and as a result the angels came to them and they were filled with fear were also introduced to a man, a servant of the Lord. That is in our third point, born a universal Savior from verse 22 to verses 24. The Savior whom the shepherds did not expect was anticipated by someone, and Luke mentions him to us. And we're introduced to this man called Simeon. This man, we're told that he was waiting for the hope that God would come rescue and comfort his people. Luke puts it this way, that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That is to basically mean that he was just waiting, patiently waiting, that God would come and he would rescue and comfort his people. He was promised that he would not see death, as it's, as it's mentioned here, that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. He would not see death until he had seen the salvation of the Lord. When Mary and, and, and Joseph, they went to the temple to do according to the custom of, of the law of Moses, as the book of Luke says there, Sim, it, it happened that Samuel, by the Spirit, was found himself in the temple as, as, as Luke records, and he saw Christ. And when he, he saw Christ, 
Christ, he could basically say the experience for him was like the echoes of Isaiah 61. Comfort, comfort my people. That's basically what, what happened when he saw Christ and he held him that indeed, finally, finally your servant gets to depart in peace for your servant has seen your salvation. You know, if, if you know the account of Isaiah, in the first 39 chapters, it is judgment, it is doom. The people are being, judgment is being pronounced upon Israel and upon other nations. It's just judgment, 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 judgment through and through on the first 39 chapters. And when you go into the 40th chapters, that's where there's a transition, there's a change. And Isaiah begins that chapter to say, comfort comfort my people because from there on forward god promises comfort to his people and you could say that was the experience for him that as he sat in for this long patiently waiting whereas some have lost hope but he was waiting he was patient and he finally saw christ a christ that will be a light for the gentiles and the glory of israel and then and, and this shows us, beloved, that this Christ who was born was not only for a select group of people, but he was all for all people groups. Because as, as, as Simeon proclaims, he says this Christ will be a light to the Gentiles and the glory of the Israelites. So you could basically say this, this brings to fruition and brings to truth what Isaiah chapter 9 would say that a people who once walked in darkness have seen a great light. This light was this Christ who was born. This humble Savior was introduced into the world who would then be a light that shines bright, chasing away the darkness that surrounds, that surrounds this world. And he, he, he not only, the Savior, when he comes in, as you read then the account of Luke, um, Simeon speaks of the Savior, and he basically says of him that, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and for the rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed, a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that the thoughts of many may be revealed. So he comes in, he brings salvation as he's to come and rule. But he does not only bring salvation, he brings also judgment. He carries in himself both salvation and judgment. Salvation for his elect, those whom he has chosen, and judgment for his enemies. This is what Simeon basically meant by those very words, that he's appointed for the falling and for the rising of many in Israel that some will be saved and others will be judged. And as you read through the account of, of Luke, you get to see that as you've read every other account of the Gospels, he, he went unopposed. unopposed. He, was, he was always opposed. There were people who were enemies of this very Savior. And, and, and then he speaks that a soul will pierce through the heart of Mary and that Mary will have sorrow over this that because he will come into the world and as he comes into the world to bring both salvation and judgment there will be people who will oppose him that will be his enemies and they will crucify him and the hearts of many will be exposed as he mentions 
So if you read through the accounts of many of, of I mean of all the gospels in, in Matthew, in Mark, in John, and in Luke itself, we see people that did indeed oppose the Savior. They opposed him to the extent that they called him that they said everything that he did, he did it by the spirit of the devil because they said he was of the devil. So they opposed him, these very people. Those were the Pharisees. And the hearts of many in the process were also exposed. And that is, how could we not forget Judas, who appeared to be one of them, but had other intentions as well. So he came in and he brought both salvation, or he brings both salvation and judgment. And these words can be both comforting and terrifying. They're a comfort to those who believed in the Christ because they know that they're secure and he has saved them and he will come back again and he will redeem them. And they're terrifying to those who have rejected this Christ because as they live, they await his judgment. But Simeon here, as we see, as he has spoken, as he was, as he was expecting the Savior, he, speak, he tells us these very things, but he was not the only servant who is, we are told of, who was waiting, who was there expecting the Savior. We're also introduced to another a lady, a woman, a prophetess called Anna, who upon hearing or seeing the Savior, she also rejoiced because Christ was born. And at her rejoicing, she went out and she told others that were, who were waiting for this Redeemer, as we're told here. He says, and coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So she saw, she rejoiced, and she went out to proclaim this good news that a Redeemer is born, the waiting is over. She did not exactly say that, I'm just paraphrasing. We don't find it anywhere in the passage. But basically, we'd assume that she basically did that going around, be like, you are waiting for the Redeemer to come, the waiting is over, he's here. He's here. And, and, and what's comforting here, and what's, what's, what amazes us is that both these people, Simeon and Mary, when they saw Jesus, this babe who will save the world um they did not live to see him until he 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 was crucified until he breathed his last but they had this confident assurance that he will surely save israel they had that confident assurance they had that faith hence they could confidently go out and anna could confidently go out and tell us that the waiting is over the redeemer is finally born because they had certainty that he would do that which God said he would do, that he will save. Now, Luke wants us, as I said in the beginning, he wants us to have certainty of the gospel. That's why he wrote this account. And this that we went through gives us certainty that indeed Christ came for us as well. Because we sitting here today, I believe, we are or were the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. He came and he saved us as well. 
We were blind, we could not see the ugliness of our sin. We were under its rule, its oppression. We were held captive by our sinful passions. And he came for us as well. As Luke would say, I think it's in chapter 19, he says, Christ came to save, to seek and save the lost. For that reason, he came. He was made low. He humbled himself to save a people like us. There's a hymn I was listening through to through the whole week, and it's it, it, it's basically captured this truth beautifully for me. And it's been a great comfort just reminding me of this great and glorious God who humbled himself, who brought himself low. It basically says, How low our redeemer, how low our, was our redeemer brought? The king who held the stars lay helpless in a maiden's arms and pressed against her heart while sheep and cattle raised their voice. The babe could speak no words. The ever-flowing spring of joy had come to share our thirst. How low was our Redeemer brought? The Lord of the worlds obeyed. Who would humble, who, who would stumble as he, as he learned to walk upon the ground he'd made. The one angels, the one the angels bowed before would kneel to wash our feet and be at home among the poor, though he owned everything. Gloria, gloria to the highest. How low was our Redeemer brought to raise us from our shame? And now the highest praise of all belongs to Jesus' name. The healer wounded on a tree to bear our grief and sin. The king gave up his crown so we could ever raise with him. How low was our Redeemer brought to raise us from our shame? And now the highest praise of all belongs to Jesus' name. These are the lens that he went to to save a poor people like ourselves. Now, having considered Jesus as, 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 as the humble king, Savior and the light of the world. I'll pose a question to you who are sitting today here today. That what is your response to to Jesus as God's King, Savior, and Light of the world? Because we would be mistaken, beloved, if we worked through the whole of 40 verses, which was very long. Like if we worked through 40 verses and not have a response to this message because as we read through here it is Luke is not just telling about us about who Jesus is or that it does not only just come down to us being told who Jesus is but it's about how we respond to who Jesus is you know that he is God's king he's the savior that the God has sent and he's the light of the world how do you respond to that king how do you respond to that savior how do you respond to that light and as we read through these passages we saw the different responses of the shepherds Simeon and Anna and his very parents the shepherds when they saw we see the shepherds they were not expecting this Christ but they responded anyway and their response was much praise and glorifying God. 
That was their response. When Simeon saw the Christ who knew that he was coming, he was longing and waiting and anticipating. And he was at peace, basically. He said, now your servant can depart in peace. Anna, who was the widow, who was fasting and praying, longing for comfort, he, she gave thanks and went to proclaim this Christ, this Redeemer to others. And his parents marveled. So now that comes down to this, and I pray that this would be either our response, that our response would be appropriate to this King. Because we are to believe in this Jesus. We are to receive him. And upon receiving him, we are to respond with faith and with joy. And I pray that that would be our response this very Christmas season as we exchange gifts that we would think of this great Christ who humbled himself, who died so that we could come in, so that we could share in the joy of heaven when he was born. Let me pray for us. Lord, we do thank you that um, that you hear some this morning and for that you can use me, Lord. And I do pray that you would um, work in the heart of the congregants as they were sitting and listening, O oh Lord, that you would um, work in saving grace in their lives, O oh Lord, that you continue to know them, that you help them in their heart of hearts, O oh Lord, that they would respond to this your word in an appropriate way, O oh Lord, in a manner that that's an honor to you, oh God. We thank you for this, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.